This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. We know that tax reform is one of the important agenda items of the Trump administration for a variety of reasons. It starts with the loss of businesses to other countries, but also includes the sheer volume of rules in the U.S. tax code. What about how other countries set up their tax codes? In some locations, it may only take people a few minutes to file their taxes. Journalist T.R. Reid traveled the globe to look for things that the United States might be able to implement to make our system better overall. He brings these ideas forward in the book, A Fine Mess, A Global Quest for a Simpler, Fairer, and More Efficient Tax System. T.R., great to have you on the show with us. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Dan. I love your show. I'm serious. I listen to 50s. I listen to the Opera Channel, and I listen to Business Radio. Uh, Knowledge at Wharton. I I just love your show. Thank you, sir. Great to hear it. Um, so it, when when you dig into this, and obviously the stories have been talked about about the sheer volume of what the U.S. tax code is, uh, what are some of the things that other locations are doing that we're not? Yeah, our system is unique in the world, and it's crazy. It's 73,000 pages. I asked the Commissioner of Internal Revenue if anybody at the IRS has read the whole thing. He <laughs> laughed. He laughed at the very idea. Um, and it turns out that other countries have done what our Congress can't seem to do, and that has made it simpler. Americans spend uh, $6 billion hours gathering the records and filling out forms. We pay tax preparers $10 billion a year. An average family at the median income, about 56000 spends 12 and a half hours just doing their taxes, and they spend about $260 getting somebody to do it on average. Guess what? In other democracies, it takes 15 minutes and $0 to pay your taxes, and we could do that too. But Yeah, but in order to do that, and you bring up an interesting point that seemingly every 32 years we actually have a a, a tax code that is so massive, so expansive, that it does need to be pared down. And actually, I guess we're coming to the next uh, uh, point in that. Uh, to be able to pare down that, I, it just on the outside looking in, it seems like it's, it's a massive undertaking that it's a very hard thing to do. It's hard to do, but it has to be done. So I, I think it's going to happen because nobody defends our current tax code. Republicans and Democrats and the president all say we have to fix it. And we've seen this pattern in history. Uh, the federal income tax started in 1913, Dan, and, and uh, it was a very popular tax then. We hate it today, but at that time, it only taxed the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts. Right. So people really liked it. Um, in 1922, Congress wrote a comprehensive tax code. Over the f- next 30 years, econom- I mean, lobbyists and accountants came in and added all sorts of exemptions and credits and loopholes. The thing was a total mess, and in 1954, it was such a mess that they threw it out and started over. That's the Internal Revenue Code of 1954. Guess what? 30 years later, it was a mess. They threw it out and started over. That's the Internal Revenue Code of 1986. The pattern there is every 32 years we have to do this. And the 32 years is up in 2018. And 
guess what? <laughs> Our code is a monster. Nobody can defend it. So I think history repeats itself. The time has come to throw it out, get rid of all the loopholes, yeah. lower the rates, and start over. I what, think we're going to do it. What are some of the loopholes you think could be e fairly easily removed from the system? Well, um, at the moment, we give so many. For one thing, there are hundreds of them for specific corporations to, to give a credit to one corporation. But for individuals, we give tax breaks for taking a night school course, growing sugar cane, replanting a forest, insulating the attic, paying off a mortgage, destroying old farm equipment, employing Native Americans, commuting to work by bicycle, but only specific bicycles. Here's one I really like. Um, what if, what if president, the president went to Congress and said, why don't we send a check for $7,500 to any American who buys a $138,000 BMW hybrid? Yeah. You know, we'd never pass that. It's ridiculous. Give, give a tax break to rich people for buying a German car. We did it. It's in the tax code. So the tax code is just laden with hundreds of these giveaways. Most people don't even know they're in there. And they cost a, a trillion dollars a year in lost revenue. And that's money we could use to treat veterans, or, you know, or reduce the deficit. So you mentioned earlier about how some countries have it so simple that it only takes people a few minutes. Uh, the, the Dutch, 15 minutes about, about on average. Britain and Japan, five minutes. What have they, I mean, obviously a lot of it, I, I'm guessing, is they don't have a lot of these uh, these extras in their tax code. Uh, but I would think that probably a majority of of citizens paying taxes in those countries is already factored in, which it is here to a degree in the U.S., uh, in their regular pay, and they don't have to worry about it ever again. The country has it basically set up so it's it's a non-issue anymore. Yeah, that, that's right. I was in the Netherlands on uh, yeah, last year on March 31st. Their tax day is April 1st. I was with a guy, an executive. He makes about 200000 a year. And I said, uh, Michael, how do you pay your taxes? Well, here's what he does. He pops a beer, he goes online, and he looks at the form. And the IRS in the Netherlands, they know all the numbers. Yeah. So they've already filled in the form for him. If it looks good, he just clicks OK. It takes two minutes. But he says to me, he says, you know, I don't trust government that much. So I, I like to check the numbers they've filled in. And now he's getting mad. He says, you know, you start checking the numbers. It can take almost half an hour just to pay your taxes. What an outrage. Oh, my God. Uh, and Yeah, I know, really. And uh, in Japan, the government sends you a postcard. It says, we think you earned this much. We withheld this much. Uh, we owe you a refund. We'll put it in your bank account on April 1st. And if the numbers look right, you do nothing. 85% of the people in Japan don't have to file a tax return because the government has the numbers and does the work for you. And in America, the IRS knows all the numbers for almost every family. Uh, they have this form. They send out millions of copies every year, this form. It's called a CP2000 letter. Mm -hmm. And that's the one that says, I get it. You know, it says on line 47A, you entered $4,211. It should have been 4654 And I get that every year. And I'm thinking, well, if they already knew, why did I spend hours filling out a form to tell them the number they already know? Uh, so we could do this, too. That In other countries, the government does the work for you, and you just check it. 
And guess what, Dan? When this is proposed in Congress, uh, H&R Block lobbies against it. Well, I was going to say, just the, the, the process itself here in the United States, you have so many people that have an interest, a, a financial interest in having the tax system stay the way that it is, very convoluted, tough for the consumer, That and unfortunately with the way that Washington works these days in general, it's very hard to see, even with a change, whatever change comes forth in, uh, in the tax code in the next two years, uh, it's very hard to say that these lobbyists still aren't going to have a very important role in how this process plays out. Yeah, they're going to try to do that, of course, to add the exemption for their particular client. And the answer to that, and we've seen this in other countries, is you, you have to say to them, look, if we give you this tax credit, we're going to have to raise rates for everybody. So there's a political trade-off. You get rid of exemptions that companies and people like, but you have a simpler form and you get much lower rates. And that trade-off has worked in many countries, and it worked in the United States in 1986. That's what we did. We got rid of all sorts of giveaways and credits and sharply lowered the top rate in the 1980s, went from 70% to 28% with no loss of revenue. So my argument is other countries have done it. We've done it. We could do it again, but you have to stand up to these lobbyists. How do they deal with the problem of identity theft in a lot of these countries? Because that continues to be a problem, especially around tax time here in the U.S. Yeah, that's a growing problem for everybody. Um, And what happens is people take your uh, Social Security number and file and try to get a, a refund in your name. And then when it's time for you to get the refund you owe, the IRS says, we already paid that. This is a problem in every country, and every country is struggling with it. But again, when the system is simpler so that the IRS or the government agency fills out the form for you, then you don't have this problem of people filling out a phony form in your name. So everybody's struggling with, nobody solved it completely. But uh, the method that that other countries have done where the government does the work for you and fills out the form, that sharply cuts back on this uh, identity theft problem. You talk about uh, the importance of the value-added tax in a lot of countries around the globe. And and how to a degree the U.S. has kind of missed the boat on this? Yeah, this is uh, the VAT is kind of a it's a sales tax that applies at every level of commerce, wholesale or retail. It was invented in France in the 50s. And economists like it because it taxes consumption. It doesn't tax labor or savings. Uh, governments like it because it's a really hard tax to duck. Everybody ends up paying it because right. you can't get out of it. And people like it because you use the revenue from the value added tax to lower the rates on the corporate or personal income tax. It's very popular, it works, it's an efficient tax, and therefore 176 countries have it. The only big country that has missed out on this really good idea is the United States. So I say in my book, you know, it's as if in taxation, it's as if Americans were still banging out letters on a typewriter and dropping (laughs) them in a mailbox, and everybody else is texting and using Instagram. We've really missed out here. Uh, It's such a good idea. Eric Zold is a professor at UCLA Law School, and he's designed tax codes for about 40 countries. And 
he told me it would be malpractice not to include a value-added tax in any system. So he says, he says, you know, the VAT is such a good idea, even the U.S. Congress will figure it out. He says, mark my words, within five years, the U.S. will have a VAT. And then he says to me, of course, I've been saying that for 20 years. <laughs> I was going to say, with some of the people in Washington, D.C. right now, that five years might end up being 20 or 30. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, I think the time is now. I think Congress is ready. The president's promised it. People are demanding it. And, you know, my book shows it can be done. Other countries have done it. We could do it, too. Well, and there's also the concern uh, around the country of all these other taxes that are being added uh, at the local and the state level. I think of here in Philadelphia, the soda tax, uh, which is designed to try and help uh, build pre-K education here in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of these taxes, more and more of them are just they're popping up. And and it really is a concern of a lot of a lot of citizens right now. No, I think that's right. And uh, but on the other hand, you know, if Philadelphia didn't do it right. Let me just say, oh, yeah, the notion of a soda pop tax, it fights, in, you know, if you tax sugared pop. It fights obesity. It fights tooth decay, which add, you know, are expensive for the public at large. So if people are going to drink a lot of sugared pop and have a problem with obesity and diabetes as a result, well, we ought to ask them to pay more to offset the social costs. Philadelphia, of course, put the tax on all on diet pop, too, which to me doesn't make sense. But a lot of countries and now several cities in the U.S. have put this tax on. And uh, what we see is when they do it right, unlike Philadelphia, there is a dramatic shift to diet soda or just to bottled water. And over time, that's going to reduce obesity and uh, reduce tooth decay and save the whole society money. So is the key to the U.S. system then being more innovative and bringing more of this entity online in the technical world? Yeah, that's exactly right, which other countries have done. Uh, you know, I went to the World Bank when I started this book to to see what makes a good tax code. The economists there, they advise countries all over the world. And they told me the formula. The formula is BBLR, broaden the base, lower the rates. Broaden the base means you make everything taxable. If your employer pays your health insurance premium, well, otherwise, that would cost you money. So it's like income to you. Let's tax it. Right. And then you get rid of all the exemptions and giveaways. And if you do that, you get much lower rates. So that's the, the solution is adopt the BBLR model. Many countries have done it with, with good results, as I show in my book. And the U.S. did it in 1986. Part of this also would be, speaking of, of Washington, D.C. for a moment, uh, the, the fact of kind of changing what benefits our, our, uh, our leaders in Washington, D.C. can get through the tax system, which seemingly they, they get pretty healthy ones along the way. Yeah, members of Congress have given themselves tax breaks that nobody else gets. They get special tax rates for having a second home in Washington. They get tax breaks for their travel. Nobody else gets these. I think that's wrong. Um, and here's what I, one of the things I lo really liked when I went around the world. In Slovakia, they have the opposite rule. In Slovakia, their rule is that members of the parliament or the cabinet have to pay 5% higher rates than anybody huh. else at their income level in the country. In other words, 
if you write the tax law, you pay more. And that makes people think twice before uh, changing the tax law, because they're going to pay more for it. We're joined by uh, T.R. Reed, who is the author of the book, A Fine Mess, A Global Quest for a Simpler, Fairer, and More Efficient Tax System. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Could we we potentially do a flat tax rate here in the U.S.? Well, uh, many people, Republicans generally propose the flat rate tax. Uh, In 2016, six of the Republican candidates proposed a flat rate tax, although Donald Trump did not. And when I went around the world, I found that 12 countries have tried this. They charge everybody. We have graduated rates going from 7% to 39%. Most countries do. But 12 countries in Eastern Europe tried this. Everybody pays at 18%. And what I found in, I say in my book is, if you're a former Soviet republic where everybody makes about the same low wage, and there's no investment capital, then the flat tax rate works. It did bring in investors from Scandinavia and Germany and beefed up investment in those countries. It works for five or six years. And then what happened is when they hit the economic downturn in 2008, the flat rate tax just didn't bring in enough money. You just can't set the rate high enough to bring in the revenue you need, but low enough for average families to pay. And so most of them have given up on it. Uh, a couple of them have kept the flat rate, and therefore they have to raise other taxes to make up for the lost revenue. Like Hungary has a flat rate income tax of 15%, and to make up for what they lost, they have the world's highest sales tax, 27% tax on everything Oof. you buy. So I concluded if you're a former Soviet republic where everybody makes the same money and you have no investment capital a flat rate tax is a good idea for five or eight years. It would not work in the United States. You also mentioned about the uh, the famous uh, mortgage interest deduction uh, and, and the fact that a lot of countries don't have that uh, compared to here in the U.S. And, and the fact that, in, I guess, in the data that you collected, there are higher home ownership rates in other locations compared to the U.S. in part because of this. Yeah, So that deduction costs the Treasury about $103 billion a year. You know, this is money we could use to treat wounded veterans or, you know, reduce the deficit or build a stronger border if you want to do that. Um, And instead, we give it as a subsidy. Only the richest one-third of homeowners take that deduction because others use the uh, standard deduction. And most rich countries have gotten rid of the mortgage interest deduction and guess what? As you say, home ownership rates stay exactly the same. Britain got rid of it. They have a higher rate of home ownership than we do. So it really doesn't achieve its purpose of enhancing home ownership. And it costs a lot of money that we could use for other stuff. What do you think in the end? And obviously, this is at some point here in the next year, year and a half, this is going to be on the agenda, on the on the floor of the Congress. What are your expectations that we will see? Because we've we've heard a lot of things. And assuming that part of it is from the corporate side of things, uh, maybe lowering the tax rate a little bit, but also having that holiday to allow companies to bring money back in, changes with the personal uh, tax uh, situation here in the United States. What do you think ends up being the impact of some of these potential moves? 
Well, uh, I think we're going to lower the corporate income tax rate. It's not fair to American corporations. But if that's all they do, then that's not a good idea because it'll just reduce revenue. They have to do a comprehensive plan where you get rid of all the credits and exemptions and loopholes, and then you can lower rates for corporations and individuals. I think we're going to do that. I think that because we do it every 32 years and the time is up. I think we're going to do it because both parties say they want to do it. And because there is bipartisan appeal, the Democrats want to get rid of all these loopholes and credits. Republicans want lower rates and those two go together. So what I found in other countries is you have to do tax reform big. You can't just do one piece of it. If you go after the whole thing, uh, then everything that people lose that they liked is offset by something new that they get. They get a lower rate or a simpler form, and the, the politics work out. And I think, just looking at other countries, that it works there, it would work here, and I think we're going to do it. I think the time has come where people are so fed up with our tax code that we're going to make this fix. But you mentioned a good point that if we make all these changes and we can make it simpler, it is going to put companies like H&R Block and all of these other ones right square in the forefront of trying to change their business model and figure out how they can be successful in this process. Yeah, that's right. And uh, if we did simplify the code, which we ought to do, uh, it probably would mean Americans would not have to pay money to H&R Block, et cetera. Uh, and some people would lose their job. But you know what? Uh, uh, that happens in yep. a vibrant society. We used to have a lot of people employed making typewriters in America. Yeah. They had to move on to other jobs. It used to be that every city, including Philadelphia, paid a squadron of people to sweep up the manure behind the horses pulling carriages. That industry is gone. Vibrant societies adopt. So if we don't have to spend money to pay somebody to fill out an incomprehensible tax return, well, that person can go do some more useful line of work. That's what happens in innovative societies. Great to have you on the show, TR. Thank you all the best. I like your show, Dan. Thanks a lot for having me on. Thanks. Greatly appreciate it. The book is A Fine Mess, A Global Quest for Simpler, Fairer, and More Efficient Tax System by T.R. Reed. Great to have him on the show uh, with us here today. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.